the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I'm on the air now. It's Dr. Bill, your radio MD. A little bit of, of uh, Snowfall and Stomp. They're an Australian band. Great movie. Red Dog, R-E-D-D-O-G. It's an Australian movie about a red dog who befriends a whole little town of uh, miners that have moved to Western Australia from all over the world to seek their fortunes. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, and I'm on AM860, The Answer, and we are The Answer. I am also available to you from my website anywhere in the world if you have a computer and a headset or speakers on your computer hooked up at drbillradiomd.com. That's drbillradiomd.com. You can reach us at the station's uh, website as well, am860theanswer.com. And we are uh, an iHeartRadio. This is talk radio and interactive, and Dr. Bill always welcomes callers. 877-969-8600. 8600 and that is our call-in number now i was at an event this week that uh, salem radio has been putting on around the country and we're one of their premier uh markets here in the tampa bay area and and our manager barb who we all love and and uh admire and appreciate she was kind enough to recognize me before the main crowd this was the war for america soul tour and the speakers were uh, Hugh Hewitt, uh, Mike Gallagher, and uh, – oh, who was the third speaker? Um, at any rate, right before they came on stage, Barb was just so sweet to uh, stand up and acknowledge what she considers to be the stars of her station, and she mentioned me first, so I, I thank her for that. And I saw some good friends there. I got to see the captain and uh, Dave and Dave and Steve and and I saw Nate and a whole bunch of people. It was really a, a really fun event. Uh, we had a good time and and I, I thank the station for inviting us and making us guest of honor. And I won't say any more any more about that. Uh, Dennis Prager. I'm sorry, I, I left out Dennis. Dennis Prager, Mike Gallagher, and Hugh Hewitt. They're the headliners that are going around the country and presenting this uh, campaign for the soul of America, which is a good thing. You know, it's a good thing. It's uh, it's about politics and morals and values and conservatism, and we like that kind of stuff. So I keep having patients come in, and they're self-medicating with over-the-counter things like uh, iodine and fad diets and curcumin and all kinds of herbs and spices and and, and this changes, you may not realize how frequently this changes because people get focused on that which is right in front of them 
And, and I tell you this, that the fad diets alone, you, you wouldn't believe. There have been about 30 or 40 fad diets since I was a kid. Let me tell you a, a few of these fad diets. And of course, there's no proof that any of them do anything uh, for your health. I mean, uh, the uh, Atkins diet, which was back in the, in the 60s and 70s, by the way, his girlfriend shot him. Basically, it was about 800 calories per day. Well, if you're a guy my size and active and you eat 800 calories a day, you're going to wither away. So I'm guessing that uh, his girlfriend, who ended up in prison for shooting Dr. Atkins, I think she was a little starved and probably out of her head just from being on his diet. Now, in 63, Jean Neidich founded the iconic program with her own 70-pound weight loss, and that was Weight Watchers, and that's been popular ever since. In 71, we had the grapefruit diet. In 75, we had a Florida doctor who... Uh, was a great marketing guy, and he invented the cookie diet, and he made his own special cookies, which he packed with some extra protein. And, uh, of course, if you only ate 1,200 calories of cookies with a little protein and, and your vitamins and minerals, then you'd probably be okay and you'd lose weight. Basically, if you lose weight, it's because the calories have decreased in these diets. There was a Sleeping Beauty diet, which was take sedatives and go to sleep. And, uh, of course, you can't eat when you're sleeping, and supposedly you would metabolize away your fat while you were sleeping. I mean, this this craziness. Then there was Slim Fast, which is uh, liquid cottage cheese with flavoring and vitamins and minerals. There was a Scarsdale diet. Uh, this was a two-week low-carb, low-cal diet that only had you eating around 700 calories a day. There was the AIDS diet, and unfortunately, uh, a few years after the AIDS plan came out, the A this was AIDS, the AIDS epidemic came out, and that sort of killed it. And uh, it was a it was a pill popping, uh, appetite suppressing quote quote candies that you could you could take. And there were things that were legal back then that are no longer on the market, and. Uh, or that are only by prescription that you could get and take, and that would suppress your appetite. The cabbage soup diet, and this sounds like the, the Jewish side of the family made this one up, or the, the, the Eastern Europe side of the family. Um, there was the, the Beverly Hills diet, and of course, if you put Beverly Hills connected to it, it's got to be uh, the, the, the best, and it's going to work. You can eat fruit and only fruit in a specific order, no less, for the first 10 days, and carbs and proteins are to be consumed separately. So I, I guess this is sort of a, a kosher diet where you can't have your fruit and your proteins touching each other. Uh, who knows? There was the Jenny Craig diet, which is still popular, and it's being it's being recycled every 10 years or so. And I, I think that uh, uh, some famous people like Queen Latifah and Valerie Bertinelli, Mariah Carey, uh, Kirstie Alley, they've all endorsed this over the years. The Amazon deal a meal. I don't know what that is. And then, by the way, Elizabeth Taylor had her own diet out in 1988 before she died. Uh, I think it was pretty much like Jenny Craig. Uh, Oprah came out with the liquid diet. And I guess she lost a lot of weight, uh, 67 pounds on the liquid protein diet. And then, of course, she put it right back on when she got off that diet. Uh, the 
low-fat everything, the McLean Deluxe Burger, the Getty Diet, uh, the Ornish Diet. Dean Ornish started researching healthy diet options way back in 77, but it wasn't until 1993 when he published his bestseller, Eat More, Way Less, that the plan really took off in popularity. Oh, boy. And so he made a little money off of that. And then uh, we had Jennifer Aniston, and she had the Zone Diet or was a spokesperson for the Zone Diet, the low sugar diet. And I can't tell you how often I hear this. Well, I know I'm eating the right things. I don't eat sugar. Well, you know what? If you have a piece of pasta or a piece of bread or a potato or uh, any carbohydrate, that's sugar. It's all broken down, all of it into simple sugars that your body can absorb. Uh, the, the, the sugar that our body uses is, um, is uh, glucose, and table sugar is sucrose. And then there's fructose, and there's lactose, which is milk sugar. There's sugar in everything, and it's all broken down to glucose. The blood type diet, I don't know how this was supposed to work. I guess you go in and get your blood typed, and then you can get on a certain diet that would fit your, uh, uh, your uh, ABO blood typing. Well, we've come a long way since then with the genetics, so I don't think this held water back then. It certainly won't hold any now. Ditching the diet pills diet, uh, the Subway diet, the Subway diet? you got to be kidding me. And so the ad campaigns that you saw was a guy back in the early 2000s who went on a just a Subway diet for lunch and dinner, and he lost weight. Now, by the way, uh, he ended up pleading guilty to charges of child pornography and paying for sex with minors. So uh, apparently there, he was having more in his diet than just food. There was the macrobiotic diet and the, the South Beach diet, which is still hanging around. The Atkins diet, I said something about that. I mean, it goes on and on. Guys, this is all nonsense. You know, if you eat fewer calories and you burn more calories, then you're going to lose weight. It's just that simple. Now, there are some uh, uh, medical problems and genetic problems that people can have, like low thyroid, uh, underactive thyroid, but that's treated not with fad diets or iodine or any of that stuff. You have to have I, uh, you have to have thyroid replacement therapy. You have to have thyroid hormone. Thyroid hormone, as I've said before, is essential to life. It is the carburetor for our little engines and our, inside our cells. And that's what gets the glucose in there and gets it, you know, the insulin gets the glucose in the cell and the thyroid hormones uh, are the spark plug for that glucose to work inside the little mitochondrial engines. And that's how we create energy and that's how we function. That's how we have muscle movement, brain power, uh, digestion, everything. There's all kinds of diets and there's the raw food diet. By the way, I got to tell you that I think that eating raw vegetables is a good thing because you'll fill up and you won't be able to digest all of that raw food because we can't digest uh, cellulose. That, that's something that cows do in their gut with the aid of certain bacteria, and they also regurgitate their their food and chew on it more. So 
Uh, it's a whole different process that they have in their body than we have. And we can't digest tree bark. We can't digest uh, a lot of that stringy stuff in celery. So if you eat that and you fill up on that, even though it may be 100 calories if you burn it in a bomb calorimeter, you're not going to get all 100 calories and you're going to fill up quicker. So I don't have a problem with raw vegetables, but I knew of one guy who ate so many raw uh, broccolis that he had an, an intestinal obstruction and the surgeons had to go in and take out all of the broccoli that had clogged up his small bowel. So, I mean, there has to be some, uh, some reasonableness and some uh, moderation in all things that we do, including fad diets. And of course we've got our latest, which is uh, Marie Osmond. I forget which diet she's pushing, but I think it's uh, similar to the Jenny Craig diet or it is a Jenny Craig diet. Hey, there's even a fertility diet if you want your baby to be male or female. Good luck with that. There's shakes, meal replacement shakes. There's Weight Watchers, which has been somewhat successful because it tries to and attempts to get people to change the way they live by changing their diet and their habits and their lifestyle. Now, my nephew, he was big on this apple cider vinegar uh, diet, but he uses it for for homeopathic medical treatment. So if his kids get sick, before he takes them to the doctor, he makes them drink apple cider vinegar a teaspoon three or four times a day. And I guess if you put a little acid down your throat and you've got an infection in your throat, whether it's bacterial or viral, it'll probably help get rid of it a little bit quicker. But uh, if you want to drink vinegar, you have at it. I think I will stick with some antibiotics and some antihistamine decongestants. Thank you anyway. Then there's the cold pressed juice diet. It goes on and on and on. Gluten free. Give me a break. Come on. There is no magic bullet. There is no magic diet. Now we may come to the point where we can manipulate the genes in our body or develop, uh, hormones that are appetite suppressants that are natural naturally occurring hormones that we can make in, in the lab, we can genetically engineer, and uh, that we can use to help people who struggle with, with obesity to get their eating habits under control. Uh, but that's medical science. That's not dietary. That's not uh, herbal. That's not fads. That is something that is specifically created that is the exact same thing that our body makes and and we may have an under uh, an under uh, excretion of that hormone that suppresses our appetite, or we may have an over secretion of a hormone that stimulates our appetite. So, uh, you know, we 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 have to be scientific about this if we're going to make any any major headways in treating the obesity crisis that is sweeping not only the United States now but the world. So I, I got to tell you this. You know, you say, well, I'm not eating saturated fats and I've cut down my cholesterol intake. Yeah, but you're still eating 3000 calories a day and your weight hasn't come down. So your cholesterol is not going to get any better. Uh, Monosaturated fats, healthier than polysaturated because it doesn't oxidize. There's no evidence to support this and that the short and medium chain fats are metabolized differently and lead to improved satiety and increased fat burning. That's a hypothesis. I mean, it goes on and on. Coconut oil boosts brain health. Prevagen 
this staves off dementia. It does not. There's no proof to any of this. None whatsoever. So I want you guys to stop and think before you go spending your money on fad diets or on herbal remedies or health food supplements. There's just no proof that any of this stuff really works. I mean, there's a few things that we know are helpful. If you're deficient in vitamin D, and a lot of us are as we get older because we can't transform vitamin D1, which is what we absorb on our skin, into vitamin D2, which is the pro-vitamin, which then is uh, metabolized into vitamin D3. Now, to go from D1 to D2 and D2 to D3, we need our kidneys and our livers. And as we age, we lose some of those functions, those abilities to adequately uh, metabolize the basic vitamin D1 into the active vitamin D3. And so we take D supplements. And people say, well, can I go out in the sun? Some of my 70-year-old patients, and I say, well, you can, but and you can build up all the D1 on your skin that you want and lather on some baby oil or whatever else you want to put on. And you can even absorb it into your system, and you can have D1 in excess. But that's not the active vitamin. The active vitamin is D3. It has to be metabolized in a stepwise fashion from D1 to D2 and D2 to D3. And this is how our bodies work. And as we get older, we lose some of that ability. So D3 is a good thing if you're low, but you need to go to the doctor and make sure that you are low. And uh, we know that some people can no longer absorb vitamin B12 because they lose intrinsic factor in their stomach as we age. Uh, not only does the skin on, on our bones thin out, but the skin that's lining our gut and our mouth and our stomach, that also thins out. And that's where the little protein is made that helps get the B12 into the small intestines and into the system. And we lose that ability. So then you have to take a shot every once in a while, every month or so. And you say, well, is it that big of a deal? Yeah, it is. It will, you will be demented. You will have neuropathies. You'll have stomach problems. Uh, you'll have vision problems. B12 is integral. There's so many aspects of, of, the, of the physiology and biology of our bodies that you can't live without it. So I want you guys to think about that. Uh, it doesn't mean don't take the vitamins or the medications that have been prescribed by your doctor. He may, she may have a reason for that, but do stop and think before you go spending. And I've had people come in. I can't, I can't believe the amount of money. This one guy came in. I was so furious. He was on an HMO and he had like a $20 copay. And he had spent two or $3,000 at the health food store on the advice of some kid standing behind the counter, uh, who told him, oh, yeah, this will help your blood pressure come down. He spent two or $3,000 and couldn't get his blood pressure down. Comes into me and he complains. He complains about a $20 copay. Fortunately, he left the practice. <laughs> I've got to tell you, I was happy to see him go. It kind of hurt my feelings, really. It did. You know, you want to you want to treat yourself? You go ahead and do that. But uh, don't come and complain to me when it doesn't work about my bill. For helping you get on the right path. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Enough about food and health and all that. I get tired of talking about that after a while. And I want to get back to this impeachment stuff, which is just driving me crazy. But uh, yeah, I, I know the president's not going to be convicted, but just having to go through this, this whole nonsense with the uh, 
with the House of Representatives, it's just so demeaning. And, and it kind of reminds me of President Andrew Johnson and what he went through. And I'll get into that later in 1866 with 67 with the radical Republicans who were the left wing Democrats back then, by the way. Abraham Lincoln was our first Republican president, and he was already at odds with the uh, with the Congress, especially the House of Representatives, right after the Civil War, because he wanted to be compassionate and conciliatory and welcome the uh, breakaway states, the Southern states, the Confederate states, back into the Union without any uh, uh, without any punishment, and try to keep everybody calm and happy and. You know, after you win a fight, you shake hands and you hug and you get back together. That's what we were taught to do as kids. And Abraham Lincoln was that kind of a guy. He didn't like fighting. He was a pacifist. How he ended up presiding over the Civil War is, is more fate than anything, but he did. And then Andrew Johnson, of course, after Lincoln was assassinated and Lincoln was bumping heads with the radical Republicans already, he carried on. Lincoln's policies of being conciliatory and not wanting the South to be punished. And uh, his secretary of war, who he inherited from Abraham Lincoln, was a radical Republican and was prosecuting the post-war reconstruction plan without the president's permission, because that's what the Congress wanted. That's what the radical Republicans wanted. And so he fired the guy, even though Congress had passed a law that uh, made it necessary for the president to go back to the Senate if he wanted to def- to fire somebody. Not only do you have to get approval for hiring according to the Constitution, but then the law was uh, passed in an attempt to control Andrew Johnson and keep him from firing his secretary of war who was a radical Republican, which Andrew Johnson was not. Andrew Johnson was opposed to the Civil War, even though he was a Tennessee senator. And he actually stayed in Washington after Tennessee seceded from the Union. Uh, But they went after him because he was moderate. He did not want to punish the South. And the, the, the radical Republicans wanted to punish the South. They wanted to make sure that the Southerners understood that they weren't happy and they wanted it uh, ingrained into the South for all eternity. Uh, Sherman did a pretty good job of ingraining that. And because of the radical Republicans treatment of the South after the civil war, the South was, uh, economically strangled for a hundred years. It has not been until my lifetime that, that the South has really come back financially and economically. And I've talked about that before. So what is it that they're going after the president for? I mean, you know, I, I'm, I, I keep looking and looking, and, and finally I did find something. Now, there are two liberal female reporters who work for uh, Business Insider, which I thought was a business magazine. Uh, guess who started that? It was a bunch of liberals, and Jeff Bezos was involved, and now I think some liberal German news company owns the uh, magazine. So there are two reporters that uh, wrote this this article, which I read. Uh, that was on September 27th. Sonam Sheth, S-H-E-T-H, Sonam Sheth, sounds like a uh, Indian-American, and Grace Panetta, P-A-N-E-T-T-A. Now, Sonam worked for CNBC, so you can kind of guess that she's a little bit liberal. And, of course, Panetta, we know Leon Panetta because he was uh, he was Secretary of Defense under 
under Clinton. And so he's a liberal guy and his daughter or his niece or whoever she is, Grace Panetta, she's a left winger. And so they claim to have inside information at the Department of Justice. And they think that there are four points that the president can be hung on. And I, I don't know if there's any accuracy to any of this. Certainly, it makes for a good argument. They say that uh, he pressured the Ukraine government, uh, and that would be uh, a, an inducement for uh, actions against one of his opponents in the 2020 election. And according to the insiders at the Justice Department, this is uh, uh, this is prohibited by the Federal Election Campaign Act, the FECA Act, F-E-C-A, that you cannot receive anything of value from a foreign leader if it's going to impact the campaign. Now, remember, a lot of the FECA, the Federal Election Campaign Act, has been overturned at the Supreme Court level. And you remember McCain-Feingold Act, that was overturned, large parts of it. And these have been attempts to rein in the spending by primarily by corporations and labor unions. That's how the whole FICA started. But now it's being used as a cudgel to go after anybody and everybody uh, that whoever is in power doesn't want in power. So the legal jeopardy charges that the president may be in is violating the federal campaign finance laws, even though no money changed hands. And uh, there's really no evidence that that the president did or did not do anything physically to induce the Ukrainian government to, to look into the Biden connection because the Ukrainian government hasn't done it anyway, and uh, we haven't withheld any aid to them. The aid that was being withheld was, was a holdover from the Obama years because there was so much corruption in the Ukraine that, that even the Democrats didn't want to give them any money or help. Now, there's also the question of did the president try to bribe somebody? Was there misappropriation? Was there a conspiracy? And now obstruction of justice is being added by the Democrats because the president's saying, well, we're just not going <laughs> to give you any information unless the courts force us to. And I think that the president is really on high ground here. I don't think that the courts are going to intervene in the fight between uh, the president and uh, the Supreme Court between the president and the Congress, but I don't know. They may. Uh, generally, the the as I've said before, the the Supreme Court likes to stay out of uh, battles between the other two branches, but they do step in and have stepped in several times and weighed in on the campaign. Uh, act and the finances of that, and they struck down several portions of it, and Congress has had to rewrite it. And they, every time they rewrite it, uh, they just hold their breath and, and hope that nobody challenges the rewrite in court. But, you know, uh, there's a lot of money out there on both sides of the fence, and somebody's going to challenge it. Somebody's going to challenge one part or another. So Nancy Pelosi is now done with the preliminaries, and the president won that battle. He wanted her to have a vote as to whether or not the 
House should proceed with impeachment hearings. And uh, so she took that vote and the the Democratic representatives from conservative districts that were Trump leaning or were outright Trumpites in the last election have had to declare where they stand on impeachment. And I'm hearing on the news that the impeachment crowd in the nation is larger than the non-impeachment crowd and that the that the independents are now favoring impeachment by two or three or four percent over the non-impeachment independents, all of which I don't believe. I mean, I don't know what what the real story is. Like I told you guys a few weeks ago, I got a call from some uh, political uh, questionnaire group, and you know they're they're taking polls over the phone, and and they wanted to know. If I would answer questions, no, I hung up. I'm not going to answer questions. And I know most people that are Trump uh, supporters or that are conservative uh, Republicans, that they're not going to answer these things. And I know lots of conservative Democrats who do not want to answer this. And they don't want people to know where they stand because they don't want to have to put up with all their friends giving them a hard time. So Trump has in my opinion, has won the first round. Now, we'll see if he can get to the courts and win the second round, which is, will the Supreme Court jump in here and weigh in on this? And uh, the complaint accuses Trump of using the power of his office to solicit interference from a foreign country in the 2020 campaign during that phone call that, that the Democrats claim was proof positive that he is an evil man. And that the Trump ordered his administration to withhold $400 million in military aid package to the Ukraine days before the phone call. Well, you know what? It's the same thing that Obama did. So I'm not quite sure where, where they're coming up with this. They count on the public not having a very long memory. They're counting on the press getting their message out there, whether it's right or wrong, and influencing the public, because this is really about influencing the public and not about kicking the president out of office. I don't think there's much of a chance of that. Well, I'm going to go grab a cup of Joe. I'll be back and we'll talk about this a little more. And if you have some insight on this, you can call me at 877-969-8600. SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Turkey's defense ministry says a car bomb has killed at least eight civilians today in northeast Syria near the Turkish town of Tal Ayyab. The ministry says 20 people were also injured the attack in the village south of Tal Ayyab. It uh, blames the attack on Syrian Kurdish fighters. The Kurdish fighters have not said whether they did it or not. Police have fired tear gas and protesters broke windows today at a shopping mall in Hong Kong in anti-government demonstrations across the area. Amidst anchor over a student activist's death and the arrest of pro-democracy lawmakers. And Elizabeth Warren has risen in the polls for months and is now a front-runner in the 2020 Democratic primary. But for many people, they don't really know anything about her. A new AP NORC Center for Public Affairs research poll shows about a quarter of Americans know nothing about Warren. 
This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care, 727 384 4611 Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. So there's this guy named Jordan, and he's a healthy guy. He's a dad of six, and he works as a guide in Alaska. But then he goes to the doctor, and he's diagnosed with cancer, stage And here's the thing. He had switched from medical insurance to MediShare, which is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. So the question for Jordan and his wife, Jenny, was, is this really going to work? Our medical bills exceeded $160,000. MediShare members shared all our bills. And it was about more than just the money, too. This is a real community. MediShare is, is a family, a group of people that stick with you through the hardest times of your life. I just don't know how I could have done it without MediShare. It's so worth looking into. There's a reason this is growing so fast. If you want to find out more, here's a number for you. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. As if you needed another reason to join the Answer VIP Club. How about having your mortgage or rent payments covered for a whole year? Ho, 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 right? It's the Answers Christmas Mortgage Miracle. And as an Answer VIP Club member, you could win free mortgage or rent payments for an entire year. To enter, go to TheAnswerTampa.com and click on Christmas Mortgage Miracle. The Christmas Mortgage Miracle, brought to you by Office Pride and AM860, The Answer. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Sunny and nice today, high 81. Clear and moonlit tonight, low 64. Tomorrow turning out partly sunny, high 83. Patch of clouds tomorrow night, low 68. Tuesday, plenty of clouds, high 81. Wednesday, breezy and cooler with low clouds, high 69. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Brian May for AM 860. And we're back a little bit more of the stomp by snowfall down there in Australia, way down under. And uh, at the beginning of the show, if you missed it, I talk about all the different diets that have come along in the past 50 years, 40 years since I, I can remember. Dozens of them, mostly nonsense. And also talking about the herbal and the homeopathic cures, none of which are overwhelming majority of which have not been shown to do anything. And and by the way, uh, one of my patients who's a dentist, he's a well-known dentist in the area, the teeth doctor, tooth doctor, he came in and he said he couldn't find the uh, saw palmetto anymore. And he said, 
why is it off the market? Why aren't they selling it? Well, because the research showed that it didn't do anything, but that was the big thing for, for benign prostatic enlargement and guys having a hard time peeing as they got older. So that, that's probably the most uh, uh, notorious of all of the herbal and food supplements that have come along as medical treatments that didn't pan out. And then we morphed into, I know, go from one thing to another, into the impeachment proceedings and the uh, FICA, the Federal Election Campaign Act, which I wanted to give you a little bit of, uh, read a few passages from it and see if we can find out where the Democrats think they can hang their hat on. I mean, it doesn't matter if, it, if it's accurate or not. They can impeach him just because they don't like him, uh, and they probably will. That doesn't mean that he's going to be convicted. Impeachment is like the, the grand jury, uh, the indictment by the, by the prosecuting attorney or the police when they arrest you. It doesn't mean that you're guilty. It just means that they think you might be guilty, and they're charging you with a crime. But this is at the uh, highest of the government levels. So the term expenditures, that is something you spend as part of your campaigning or receive as part of your campaigning, the term includes any purchases, payment, distribution, loan, advance, deposit, or gift of money, or anything of value made by any person for the purpose of influencing any election for federal office. So they're saying, well... The president was asking for something of value, that is, to look into Joe Biden and get him on the wrong end of the, uh, of the electorate. And in, in return, the president was saying, well, if you do that, then we'll give you some more aid, or if you don't do it, we won't give you aid. So then there's also a written contract, promise or agreement to make an expenditure, the term expenditure, however, does not include any news story, commentary, or editorial distributed through the facilities of any broadcasting station, newspaper, magazine, or other periodical publication unless such facilities are owned or controlled by any political party, political committee, or candidate. Well, okay, so any news story, commentary, or editorial from a newspaper is not an expenditure. So if the press is ultra-liberal, which – majority of the press are, and they're now openly admitting it. Yeah, we really are a bunch of communists, and we really are out to get everybody who's not a communist, and we really do want a social social fascist state, which is what communism is. It's a one-party system <clears throat> where the government controls the economy and controls business and everything else. So guess what? The Democrats are in the right right place for having an expenditure not include anything in the press, because the overwhelming majority of the information in the press is by, of, and for the Democrats. So it's, it's a, a, a conundrum to me how it's gotten this far. But, but I, you know, I mean, it's really not a conundrum. I mean, legally speaking, it's a conundrum, but it's not a conundrum from the emotional aspect of how much people hate President Trump. And I was out to dinner with my friend Bonnie and Steve. Myung and I went out, and uh, we saw them, I think it was Friday night, in fact. And they're Canadians, and they're well-to-do Canadians, and they have a nice condo down here, and uh, their kids are doing really well and 
great family. We love them dearly. And uh, how I was talking with Steve about the Canadian election. And uh, as you know, Trudeau got the majority, but the majority, uh, the majority of the votes was about 33 or 34 percent. And then the conservative got a, maybe a point or two less than that. And then uh, there was a ultra liberal left wing guy named Singh. Singh is a is a Sikh Indian Sikh name. The Sikhs are an offshoot of of uh, Hinduism. They believe in monotheism and um, high morals, and you know they're good people doing acts of charity and all that. And they wear turbans. Uh, and by the way, they have had more than their fair share of running with the Muslims and were actually almost ex- exterminated completely. I think there were just a few hundred Sikhs left uh, maybe 200 years ago, and they have come back and they have a thriving community both in and inside and outside of, of India. At any rate, Singh has a turban. Uh, you know, he's a nice-looking guy. He's Canadian. He speaks English well. And Steve said, oh, I guess Trump wouldn't let him in the White House. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, I don't know where people get this idea that because you are brown or you wear a turban or you're uh, a Sikh or a Hindu that that you're not going to be a friend of Trump's. I mean, for goodness sakes, the, the Sikhs have stood up to radical Islam for centuries now. And of course, they'll be welcome. But that's just the the thinking that goes on, and it's influenced by the Canadian and as well as the American press, and I see this all the time, all the time, because I go up north of the border and I hear it, and I'm, I'm steeped in it, and I'm steeped in it here, and then the lunchroom starting to divide into the left wing and the right wing, and, and it's it's all over the place anyway. So another aspect of this is independent expenditure. The term independent expenditure means an expenditure uh, regarding the federal campaign, uh, federal election campaign act by a person, expenditure by a person expressly advocating the election or defeat of a clearly identified candidate, and that is not made in concert or cooperation with or at the request or suggestion of such candidate, the candidate's authorized political committee or their agents or a political party committee or its agents. And the term clearly identified means that the name of the candidate involved appears, the photograph or drawing of the candidate appears, or the identity of the candidate is apparent by unambiguous references. So they're saying, well, the president obviously named Joe Biden, and he's a candidate, and uh, so he's clearly identified, and, and he's using his powers of the presidency to go after his opponents in the 2020 election. Okay, good luck with that. I mean, you can say it's so, but that doesn't mean it that it's that it's so. You can say that it's a, a fact, but that doesn't mean that it's a fact. I mean, you can say there's a Santa Claus coming down your chimney, but I guarantee you Santa Claus ain't coming down your chimney. And, that's, and that doesn't mean that we have uh, uh, a need to deprive kids of, of that that fun and that, that uh, magical world. I wouldn't do that, but, but as adults, we know there's no Santa Claus. Uh, we got Richard in Clearwater. By the way, I wanted to give a shout out to Catherine Moschella for the wonderful things she said to me last week and left the mm-hmm. message. Uh, Catherine, we love you and thank you. Richard, go ahead, bud. 
Hey, Dr. Bill, always enjoy listening to your show and your topics. And, uh, you know, I heard something, this isn't uh, anything I made up, but I just heard something uh, on the airwaves not too long ago. Isn't it ironic how the protesters in Hong Kong are fighting for their freedom and there are some people in America fighting to lose theirs? It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. And you know, with the flag they're waving, it's it's not the Russian flag, it's not the Indian flag, it's not the British or the, even though they were a British colony, it's not the French flag, it, it's the American flag. That's what they're running around waving, and that's that's inflaming the Communist Party in Beijing even more. Right, right. Hey, and one more quick thing, Dr. Bell. Mm-hmm. You missed a great show Thursday evening, Alice Cooper, sold-out show, great, great show. Oh, boy. God, you're, that's right. You're an Alice <laughs> Cooper fan. I remember now, Richard. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, he and his wife like, were there. How do you like yeah. the uh, how do you like the Snowfall, the stomp, that blues uh, rift I was playing at, oh, yeah, at the that's break? Nice. Yeah, that's, that's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah, I like all kinds of music. Yeah, there you go. All right, man. We appreciate you always calling in. Love it. Thanks. Take care. Bye. You too. So at any rate, <clears throat> I, again, I want to say, Catherine, thank you very much for for the kind words that you left on the on the message machine last week. We love you. So the excluded activity under the under the FICA, the Federal Election Campaign Act, federal election activity does not include an amount expended or dis dispersed by a state district or local committee of a political party for a public communication that refers solely to a clearly identified candidate for state or local office. So you, you can't go after somebody for that. And a public communication means a communication by means of any broadcast, cable, or satellite communication, newspaper, magazine, outdoor advertising, mass mailings, etc., or other forms of general uh, public political advertising. By the way, the president's conversation was not public, and from my point of view, it certainly was not political. But I think that there are a lot of areas of this. I mean, this campaign act is ridiculous. It's it's two hundred pages of of, uh, of uh, repetitive legalese and drive you nuts. So there's even time frames. Uh, electioneering communication for the purpose of the subsection, the time period of 60 days, 30 days before primaries or general elections. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And half of the stuff would never hold up in court anyway. So what can we learn from President Andrew Johnson's impeachment, which was politically motivated because He didn't want to do what Congress wanted him to do. He was not a radical Republican. He was a Democrat from Tennessee, but a a conservative middle-of-the-road Democrat who did not believe in the Civil War and did not think that secession from the Union was right and spoke out harshly against it and even stayed in Washington when Tennessee had seceded from the Union and stayed in the Senate. What happened is that Johnson wanted to, President Johnson, not Lyndon Johnson, Andrew Johnson, in 1867-68, he wanted to remove 
he wanted to fire his secretary of war, Edwin Stanton, who was a radical Republican, would have been the equivalent of the far left back then, and that Congress had passed this Tenure of Office Act, which was specifically passed to get around the Constitution, since the Constitution doesn't say that you have to consult the Senate if you're the president and you want to fire one of your one of your uh, secretaries, uh, Secretary of State, Secretary of War, whatever it is. You only have to consult the Senate when you're hiring somebody, when you want to put somebody in that position. Then the Senate has the power uh, under the Constitution to weigh in on this. So the, the, the radical Republicans, they figured, well, you know, if, if it gets up to the Supreme Court, It'll be declared unconstitutional, but it'll be a few years before that happens because of the way the legal system works. So let's go ahead and pass this Tenure of Office Act, which said that the president can't fire the secretary, whether it's the secretary of defense or war or state or treasury, that he can't do that without the Senate's permission. By the way, later on, parts of it were uh, uh, considered unconstitutional. And in another case that was being tried, the court weighed in and they asked the court, well, how would this impact the, uh, the tenure of office act that was put forth by the radical Republicans in the 1860s? And, and the general opinion of the court was that if it had come before the court, it would have been declared unconstitutional. And the, and the radical Republicans knew that they knew that, but they went ahead and went after President Johnson, because they wanted to punish the South, and he didn't. Well, I'm a Southerner, so you know whose side I was on there. And so he was the first uh, American president to be impeached, and the second was Jimmy Carter. Uh, not, I'm sorry, not Jimmy Carter. Uh, Bill Clinton, and now it looks like the third will be the man that's in office now. So the Impeachment and trial of Andrew Johnson had real big implications for the balance of power between the federal legislature and the executive branch. And what happened is Johnson went ahead and fired Stanton and put his own man in as secretary of war. And they said, and the, you know, the radical Republicans cried, yeah, you've committed a crime. You've broke the laws of the, of the Congress and you can't do that. And they had a two thirds majority and, and, in both houses, so they overrode some of his vetoes. And here's some of the things they charged him with, dismissing Stanton from office after the Senate had voted not to concur with the president's dismissal. That was the Tenure of Office Act that Congress passed. It wasn't constitutional. And then appointing uh, an interim secretary to fill the vacancy, appointing Thomas to fill that without the advice and consent of the Senate, However, that was interim, and if you appoint someone interim, then you don't have to have an immediate approval from the Senate for your appointment to a secretarial position because you got to run the government. And then conspiring with Thomas and other persons to the House of Representatives unknown to unlawfully pre preventing Stanton from continuing in office, conspiring to unlawfully curtail faithful ex execution of the Tenure of Office Act. So the the Congress, the radical Republicans, they were saying, well, we pass this act, even though you vetoed it, we had a two-thirds majority, and even though we're pretty sure it's unconstitutional, it's still law, and you broke it, and therefore you've committed a crime. 
is this starting to sound familiar? Is this starting to sound like what we're seeing going on with President Trump and the House of Representatives now? And all of this came down to a vote by the Senate whether or not to find Andrew Johnson guilty of all these uh, supposed crimes and kick him out of office. Well, the Senate had a three-day trial, and they took up different parts of it. And after two parts of it were voted down just by one or two votes, the the president's uh, office was maintained, and, and he was found not guilty of these heinous crimes of appointing someone in place of Stanton to an office that the radical Republicans felt should be theirs. Uh, He was found not guilty, and he stayed in office, and then he finished his tenure, and he went back to uh, Tennessee and lived out his life. Here's the thing. We have three separate branches of government, and we have a division of and a balance of powers between the three in order to keep one from running over the other and having a, a purely legislative government like the parliamentary governments of Europe and Canada or a completely executive government like what the English had uh, before the Magna Carta, where the king had almost absolute power, uh, or a dictatorship, or a monarch. And that was one of the reasons we broke away from England, was not only did we not like Parliament telling us what to do, but we didn't like the fact that King George was the executive officer. He was the president. And he was in agreement with Parliament. And he was campaigning actively to get people voted into Parliament who saw things his way. So we have these three branches of government. And they function quite well in maintaining the balance. And so this in the 1860s is similar to what's going on in the uh, 19, uh, in the 2010s, 2020s, where Congress is attempting to seize all of the power and control the course of events legally and morally and uh, in every other way for the United States of America, for the people. Now, whether you're a Democrat or Republican really doesn't matter. The first thing is we need to maintain a balance of power. And it's tough to do when you have a radical element like the radical Republicans or the radical left that's in power in the House now taking over and trying to usurp the power of the presidency and throw into the works here, install, I should say, uh, a fascist socialist government. And, you know, even if you like socialism, fascism doesn't work. One party systems are bad. And it's the same with with uh, one branch of government ruling the whole country. It doesn't work well. That's why we have what we have. And that's why I think that we need to fight this at a number of levels. But I think the president will be okay. Uh, It's going to be touch and go here for a few months, but better now than a year from now. And I think he's manipulated this quite well to get it into the public's eye, and it'll be forgotten. He'll be exonerated, and it'll be forgotten in in several months. And we're close to the end of the show. How much time we got left, bud? 
we're, we're looking at 60 seconds or so. 60 seconds. Now about oh 30 my. now, actually. <laughs> oh, my. And, you know, I love the comments. And, again, Barb, thanks for, for introducing me. And I was so glad to see all of my friends and uh, so glad to see the three big hitters uh, who are doing this tour. I love you guys, and, and I appreciate everything you say and do.